Hi, I'm Carmen LaBurge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge. Thanks for listening to this special Best of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge on Faith Radio. I'm Carmen LaBerge. You are tuned in to a special edition of Mornings with Carmen. We are sharing uh, during this week some of our favorite conversations from the year past. And so um, you're going to hear during this hour a conversation that I had with Jeff Bird and one with Justin Early. So let me uh, lead off with this. Today is the 30th of December. So it's 1230. Now at 1230 during the day, you might be thinking about lunch. But when you think about 1230, is there a verse of Scripture that comes to mind? Now, this would require that you and I would have memorized enough verses of Scripture over the course of our life that when I say 1230, there's actually one that pops to mind. So I don't know if that's happening for you right now. Um, Maybe if I had said um, 2-2, well, that wouldn't be like, that'd be like 202, because like Philippians Chapter two, verse two, like pops to mind. Like that's a, that's a good one for me. Um, maybe right now you're thinking, oh, if she just said, oh, you can't say nine sixty seven, because I was thinking like Isaiah nine verses six and seven pops to mind this time of year. Um, Genesis one one, that would be an easy one, right? Oh, but then like one, maybe that'd be like one o one. Is a way to think about that. Well, let me just ask it this way again: twelve thirty. Is there a passage of scripture, a verse of scripture that pops to your mind? Here's the one that came to my mind. Mark 12.30, because it's in Mark 12.30 that we get Mark's version, which would really be Peter's version. Remember, the gospel of Mark is really the gospel of Peter told by Mark. Anyway, okay, so uh, Mark 12, verse 30, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. So it's Mark's version of the greatest commandment or the great commandment. And so when you think about how Jesus responded to the question, what's the first and greatest commandment? This is what he said. You should love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. Then we're reminded that the second commandment is likened unto it, that we should love our neighbors as ourselves. And so as we look back at this year, 2021, I'm thinking that on this 1230 Having a little 1230 exercise of examining how I have loved the Lord my God with all my heart this year, with all my soul this year, with all my mind this year, with all my strength this year, and how I have loved my neighbor as myself this year might be a kind of interesting year-end exercise. So it is 1230. Maybe today at 1230, you could spend a little time considering what it looks like to love the Lord our God with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind, and all our strength. We are applying the mind of Christ to the matters of the day. You are listening to Mornings with Carmen. Here's to the 
right, joining me now, Jeff Bird from Hope Farm School. I totally want you to bookmark their website, pray for them, support them, think about duplicating what they're doing, hopefarmschool.org. Jeff, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Good morning. I'm glad to be here, Carmen. I, Carmen, did I you wanna, grow up on a farm? I, did you grow up I on a wanna farm? Live, I want to live at Hope Farm School. I want to work at Hope Scar. I want to <laughs> start one where I live. I it is the it it I am exposed to a lot of ministries around the country and a lot of people approaching uh trying to approach uh conversations about the next generation. Your model is the one I am the most excited about. Tell people about Hope Farm School. Yeah, well, it started out of Hope Academy, which uh, the Lord called myself and Russ Gregg to start, you know, 23 years ago. And uh, we start children in kindergarten all the way through uh, high school there. And by the time they reach middle school, I mean, they're testing above the national average. These are inner city kids who are failing everywhere else. So we wanted to take in, you know, junior, sometimes you get a kid, junior high boy or girl, they're three to five years behind. And we'd take them in and, you know, work really hard. And they'd always wash out in six to nine months. Um, and we realized it was just too much. We were facing, it was like we likened to putting it a Model T on an on-ramp for 35W and saying, okay, we want you to accelerate and merge into traffic. Well, you know, it just never happened. So um, one of the things that uh, we always uh, talked about at Hope Academy is if you really want to solve a problem, you have to understand it deeply. And the problem is in the families in the inner city, and there is massive moral chaos there. Um, I don't need to go into much detail there. So, you know, I grew up in a farm, and I thought what we need to do is just get them out of the city and get their hands in the dirt and teach them how to live their lives. And so, um, you know, for many, many years, I'd go out on Saturdays, I'd see a farm for sale, I'd go see it, and then I'd pray, I'd like, nope, this isn't the one. And so finally, I said, Lord, this isn't happening. Do you want this to happen? I'm okay doing it or not doing it. And I really felt the Lord calling me to move ahead. And so uh, through a number of connections, I ended up buying a property, uh, the farm school did, down in uh, Stockholm, Wisconsin. And we didn't intend to be in Wisconsin. We like Wisconsin. But it's about an hour and a half out. We have 440 acres, so we've got a lot of a lot of land for the uh, boys to roam. I could go on forever my, here, Carmen. My husband, my <laughs> husband calls that scope for the imagination, and and he will periodically. We we have forty five acres, and he will periodically okay. say to uh, a child who has been in the house too long, <clears throat> evidenced by you know their <laughs> attitude towards something, and he will say, "It is time for you to go outside and get some scope for the imagination." And if you need yeah. a list of things to do, you know, it always exists, right? Because we have chickens and cows and an orchard and a garden and a creek and a mm -hmm. river. I mean, like, right, there's or or um, what they're currently uh, doing over these span of days um, is planting trees. So there's always something to do, right? There's and I love that. Something to do. Well, and I love yeah. that you live as a family, that they're sharing all of life, that they're, um, you know, that they're in the kitchen, that they are setting, they're learning to set a table, they're you know, everything from doing laundry to, I mean, like, right, so we think about all of these necessary life skills that are going to be mm -hmm. necessary for these young men to become 
the kinds of men that they maybe did not see and did not live with, certainly did not grow up with in their own families. Um, and so, again, I just want to highlight the website because I totally want people to to check it out, not only be praying for what you're doing, but ca- capture capture this vision, hopefarmschool.org. Jeff Bird and I have to take a very brief break. When we come back, we're going to talk more about this because this is absolutely um, God-centered, and I want I want people to hear about that as well because this is a really fascinating, collaborative, educational Christian experiment, and it's just so exciting to me. HopeFarmSchool.org. We'll be right back. All right, if you listen to this program regularly, you know um, I talk to a lot of ministry leaders across the country. It is rare that I am as excited as I am about what God is doing at hopefarmschool.org. We talk about the challenges that we face um, in terms of uh, an urban-rural divide. We talk about the challenges that we face in terms of Um, morality and moral expressions in our nation today. We talk about education as uh, a root challenge um, generation to generation right now. Uh, Hope Farm School is just this beautiful expression of of answering so many of those concerns and really building young men up um, that they would not only follow God, but like be the kind of guys that we want to live next door to and raise our kids with. So um, Jeff, tell us um, tell us about the the spiritual aspect of what you're doing at Hope Farm School, and then and maybe spiritual aspect isn't even the right aspect's probably not even the right language because it seems to be yeah. sort of the fabric of the entire thing. Well, I look at it as being incarnational, just like Jesus Amen. didn't just give us the Bible; he came in his bodily flesh and lived among us, and so uh, that's what we're doing. And when we started. Uh, my first hour I quit, and he said it was just too hard. And so after uh, three weeks, I was the RA and, and uh, driving around picking up the boys on Monday morning, and I had to go in the houses and get them out of bed because they don't even know how to go to bed at night. So mm-hmm. it's everything, Carmen. It's just like from uh, you learn how to go to bed at night, how to get up in the morning. We have PT. Uh, we have devotions. We have breakfast together. We do chores. Uh, everything is done together, and we're sharing our lives. Now, we do teach the Bible. We do have Wednesday night chapel, but the bigger thing is you are the living Bible, and you can't fake that with, as you know, or maybe you don't have teenagers. I don't know, but when you have teenagers, you cannot fake who you are, and <laughs> one, one of the things I was uh, I was telling uh, Jeff Seaman was my uh, mentor at the time about this vision, and I was going on and on how wonderful it's going to be. And he said, wow, that's a, that's a big vision. He said, what kid would want to go there? And that never occurred to me. I thought, what kid wouldn't? But, you know, that is a good question. Would inner city boys who have no structure want to go out and live on a farm, a totally different place? They've never even been to a farm, have structure in their life, go to bed at night, get up in the morning, uh, learn to respect authority, learn about who God is, learn about all the different things that you learn at a farm, in addition to have rigorous academics. Would they really want to do that? And and the answer is they do. They love it. And, And I think the reason is because they can see they are truly loved 
by the staff and by myself. And that's the biggest need any of us have. And that's the need that they have fundamentally, foundationally. They need to be loved. And then they need significant, meaningful work and study for themselves. So what's the thing a boy or almost all junior high boys says? Why do I have to study algebra? What difference does it make in society? What difference does it make for my life? And so everything we do, we try to connect it. Uh, was something that we're doing on the farm. So uh, we were going to build a chicken coop, and we had sketched it out. And then I had one of the boys who just finished geometry. I said, and now I want you to calculate how much lumber we need, how much, how many nails we need, siding, all shingles, all that stuff. And so we, in in every way, we try to incorporate their learning with what they're doing on the farm. Okay, can we have a, a very brief logistics conversation? Because I think there are probably people listening right now who are like, how does this all work? And, you know, the it's physically located in Wisconsin. These are kids from urban uh, Twin Cities, uh, or at least most of them, I'm guessing. Um, like, how, how does this work? Is this a public school? Uh, it, it, people are, I guarantee you, having all kinds of those kinds of questions. So can you just talk a little bit about sort of the logistics of all of this? Yeah, yes, and you're right. <laughs> we have don't have nearly enough time to, to describe it, but um, we pick the boys up on Sunday night about six thirty, and we're we're going to get to thirty boys and thirty girls. We're right now at fifteen because code wise, we have, we're transforming a barn into a commercial kitchen, cafeteria, and a schoolhouse, and so. We're, we'll be done with that next month, and we already have about 10 boys on the waiting list. And so we drive them down there with a bus, school bus. I actually drive them down on Sunday nights, and they, they live there during the week. And we're very, uh, like I said, we have a very uh, organized, structured life for them. What they do during the day is going to vary dramatically, and they have athletics every day. Every night they have something like one night's movie night, worship night, uh, game night, free night. Um, and then Friday afternoon, uh, we drive them back and they stay with their families over the weekends. So, um, and not all of them go home on weekends. Sometimes they want to stay. And uh, that was the original plan was they have them all stay until holidays. But the staff, <laughs> it was just impossible from a staffing perspective. And it's worked out well, uh, just having them stay during the week. Okay, I'm seeing that you have um, 40 dozen eggs available every week. Um, people could buy them. Where would they have to go to pick them up? Yeah, well, they'd have to go to the farm school right now because of the <laughs> I know, but see, like, I totally love that. I'm thinking about any excuse, any reason to come, even though uh, here on our little farm, we have a dozen eggs every day, so I don't really need any more. But, um, yeah. right, I, I just, I love this. All right, you guys can connect with them on Facebook, Hope Farm School, W-I-S, which is, I think, probably for Wisconsin, but it also might be for Wisdom Hope Farm School, <laughs> W-I-S, that's their, um, that's their handle on Facebook. You can visit the website directly, hopefarmschool.org. If you scroll down the page, you can sign up for, um, you know, to, to receive information. There's all kinds of great stuff here. Let me ask this question as our walk-off, Jeff, and I just, I'm so excited I can hardly stand it. Um, is this reproducible and scalable from your, with, because you are like the heartbeat at this point. And so is this reproducible and scalable? 
it, it is entirely re reproducible, scalable. I don't know about that. I mean, I think that's one time, uh, one question people ask, um, you know, how big are you going to get? And, um, you know, when Jesus walked with his disciples for three years, why did he do it that way? You know, why didn't he have a Tuesday night class from 6 to 8.30? Mm -hmm. And why did he only have 12 and plus some why did other, he only have you 12? know, hanger yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So there's some things you can do big scale, and there's other things that you just can't. And mm -hmm. I think this is one of them. And so uh, when I say 30 boys and 30 girls, people say, don't bring any girls. <laughs> Teenage girls are like, okay, I, I get that. But, um, you know, when you're building from the ground up, uh, you just can't, you can't do it huge. You know, if you've ever had 15 angry or sad or depressed teenage kids in your house mm. at the same time, um, now multiply that, you know, could you do 300? Well, no. So, mm. uh, but, but reproducible, absolutely. I think it's just people being called by God to do the work of God. And uh, I think we in America have a lot of capacity, a lot of extra rooms, a lot, <laughs> a lot of resources, and there are people in desperate need in the inner city. And I think that's the calling that I've, that I've answered. And I think that's the calling that many people should answer. I totally love it. I can, I don't even know how um, I, I intend to celebrate it. I intend to celebrate it far and wide. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and I look forward to a continued conversation. I'm going to find my way out there at some point. I just I, I love it. Thank you for responding to God's um, call in your life. Thank you for being so diligent over so many years to um to keep doing the hard things that absolutely must have been required to make this happen. Um, and thank you for loving mm -hmm. the Lord and loving these, loving this next generation. Like that's what it, that is what you are doing. And I just thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, Hope Farm School.org. Jeff Bird, um, bless you. Bless you. Bless you. Bless you. Thank you, Carmen. God bless absolutely. you. Have a blessed day in the Lord. So Justin Early is one of, I think, my favorite people not only to talk with and, and read, but to listen to when he talks to other people. <laughs> so I'm hoping that um, if you remember the conversations that we've had with Justin Early in the past about the common rule or this recent conversation about habits of the household, one of the things you say to yourself is, you know what, that guy sounds a lot like me. He's brutally honest about his own humanity. He is so eager to share What's actually working in his own life, in his own heart, in his own home? Um, he's allowing God to transform the rhythms of his, you know, his own life, his personal life, and the life of his family. And then he's sharing all of that with us. So in the common rule, you know, we talked a lot about, well, frankly, better habits, like unlearning, unlearning bad things and then replacing those with very positive things. So the common rule I still highly recommend and commend to us. Um, in this book, Habits of the Household, he's like the most brutally honest dad you've ever met. And he's sharing with us and teaching us what he calls these liturgies of the home, like what it looks like to literally change the way your home operates. Now, I've heard Justin on other um, podcasts and conversations about this say it's not as if everything has changed, but we are now intentional um, about making sure that our boys know 
that they're loved and that they can have these regular rhythms and expectations of us um, as their parents as we seek to be faithful to the Lord. So I hope you enjoy this conversation with Justin Early as much as I do. Um, You are listening to a special episode of Mornings with Carmen, and these are rebroadcast conversations from 2021. We'll be right back. Justin Whitmill Early is back. We have talked with him on many occasions about the common rule. He is, I think, um, first and foremost today, I will share with you that he is the father of four young boys, along with his wife, Lauren. They are seeking to do it differently. Um, He is also a writer. um, He's a lawyer. Justin, welcome back to Mornings with Carmen. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be back. Okay, Habits of the Household, Practicing the Story of God in Everyday Family Rhythms starts um, with a story of this moment when you just kind of realize, like, I, this is not what I want this to feel like in my house. So can you talk about what, what this grows out of? All my books so far start out of crisis, and this one is no different. So... This was a night with my three boys where there's bathwater on the floor, board books being used as weapons, and me doing my typical yelling and shouting around the house. And it was one of those nights where I put them to bed, said, you know, I love you, tried to say a short prayer, walked outside the room and realized, oh my gosh, this is our normal. Our normal is to just be chaos and me yelling and and I sort of got desperate for a way to rethink the normal habits of my household. And you went through um, every part of the day, waking, meals time, meal times, discipline, screen time, family devotions, marriage. I think that's an essential chapter in this. Work, play, yes. conversation, bedtime. Um, and then I, I definitely want to talk about the family age chart that's in the epilogue because that's one of my mm-hmm. favorite resources produced in here. So let's, um, let's wander around in the content of this book. Um, if if you could if you could only tell people one thing about habits of the household, is it is it the conversation about changing what's normal? Yes, I think if I wanted to tell people one thing, it would just be to have them realize that you become your habits, and your children become you. So the norms of your life as a parent in the household are really really fundamental to the ways your child is growing to be like God or not like him. Far more than what we say or do, uh, far more than what we say, you know, what we do, what the norm is, is really the thing that's forming our children. So what I try to do is just look at the regular moments of the day that you just named, waking, sleeping, you know, screen time, moments of discipline, and ask, how could our habits, how could our normal ways of interaction with each other become ways that are pushing us into the message of the gospel before we even open our mouth. So let's um let's go back to the moment of recognizing I don't I don't want it I don't want it to be like this. I don't want every night to be screaming and yelling and you know taking weaponized board books away and <laughs> ordering people to bed and telling them to stay there and then 
you know, tucking them in and saying, you know, I love you and walking out the door. Like, I don't want that. So what's the first step in changing that, re- changing that normal? Well, you know, an important first step for me was that while I don't want this chaos of kids, it was to understand and admit that kids are chaotic and that's actually okay. You don't have to be. So part, part of it for me was realizing, wait a minute, the whole message of the gospel is that Jesus loves me right here in my mess, the way that I am, and then I respond out of that. And I think what I realized in the wake of that evening was that I was saying the gospel to my kids sometimes, you know, God loves you no matter what good things or bad things you do. But I really wasn't acting like that. My response as a parent was based on how they're acting at the moment. And so what I was was what I really realized first was that parenting is really messy and that's okay. But we can be like Jesus is to us in those moments and come in and say, in your mess, I'm going to be steady in your mess. I'm going to come and I'm going to love you anyway. And that was good news because then I was I started to rethink all these moments of the day and think, how can I embody that gospel message that God loves us no matter what good or bad things we do in all sorts of periods of the day? Yeah, I also think there's just so much in here. And again, we're talking with uh, Justin Early about his brand new book, Habits of the Household, Practicing the Story of God in Everyday Family Rhythms. Um, it is just excellent. The bedtime liturgy is awesome. The The family age chart is amazing. Um, the conversation about discipline as discipleship is uh, transformative. Um, so you, this is a book that if you are a parent um, you're going to want, and yes, we're giving away copies today, so you can text the word book to 877-933-2484. Um, Justin, um, I don't even remember where I started hmm. um, before I told people that we're giving away books because I got all excited about that. Um, let's do this. <laughs> let's, let's, let's pivot to a conversation about um, relating to the people who are under my roof, recognizing that there is a period of time in which they've been entrusted to me um, by God for their spiritual nurture. Like this is the season during which we have the opportunity Mm. to live under a roof together. And that is short. That is a brief time period. Um, I feel like, I feel like you moved from sort of, this is my household and these are my kids to this is a household where we are all growing up together in the fear and admonition of the Lord. Yes, yes. I think one of the neat things about habits is they allow you to look at the short game and the long game. Because mm-hmm. you look at you look at a habit of, let's say, you know, what do I say to you in moments of discipline? And yes, that is about the moment. And that's the beauty of habits that you can you can practice being gracious and firm, being full of grace and truth in the moment. But then the wonderful things about habits is that they aggregate. They become the family norm, the family culture, the way that you just are. And that's where you really zoom out and think, oh, by focusing on these small, ordinary moments, I'm focusing on actually creating a life together, just the same way you put a puzzle together. You're looking for this one piece, but really what you're doing is you're building a masterpiece. And so I I think I I had this moment um, where I was randomly one day in a coffee shop, finishing some work. And I started to write down the ages of my kids over time. 
for some reason just got stuck in my head and I made this little chart of how old my wife and I would be and how old they would be for the next, you know, 30, 40 years, I think. And it was just one of those moments where on a small square, on a small piece of notebook page, I saw this movement of our future. And instead of overwhelming me, I just thought, oh my gosh, we are building a life together. We, we, I, I have them for this set of years and that's it. How could I make the culture and the feel and the habits of this set of years uh, one that helps, slants them into the love of God, slants them into the arms of Jesus, because I won't always have them. And that was a really important moment for me. And I offer that age chart process to parents in the in the epilogue of the book. I just think it's such a great thing to do to get inspired for the big and little things you're doing in parenting. Yeah. And you talk about in that these future realities that you know will be true at those points in time. And so what do we need to be doing today? Um, you know, what are the habits today that are going to either help them in that or hinder them in that? Um, and then as a parent, what's my responsibility in terms of helping them, you know, live into a habit today that's going to serve them at that future point in their life? It's just, it's so good. All right. So that is um, in a section of the book called Parenting Between the Now and the Not Yet. It's the family age chart. It is a part of um, uh, Justin Early's new book, Habits of the Household, Practicing the Story of God in Everyday Family Rhythms. And we'll be right back. All right, we are talking with Justin Whitmull Early. You can find him online. Uh, we are talking today about habits of the household, practicing the story of God in everyday family rhythms. Um, Justin, let's um, let's turn, if we can, to the arc of discipline in the chapter yes. um, on discipline in the book, because I I think that um, you know there's been so many conversations about parenting over, let's say, the last forty mm -hmm. or fifty years. We didn't all grow up in households where authority was positively exercised. Right. That word is troublesome to some people. There were people listening right now who were raised by parents who were totally convinced it would just be best for kids to raise themselves. And so they don't have a mm -hmm. model for this at all. So um, can you talk with us about the arc of discipline? This was one of my favorite chapters to write, I think because it's one of the hardest chapters to write. I mean, my boys ranged between nine and two during the writing of this book. And discipline is just a constant reality in my house. I know I, people are listening. I hope you're encouraged by that. I mean, it is all the time, you know, we are trying to reorient somebody to, to, to good instead of uh, to bad and fighting and conflict. And um, well, I think one of the things that I realized while working on this chapter was that habits are important for discipline because parents' instincts in those moments can be so bad. Um, if you're like me, your instinct in a moment of discipline is to um, anger, it's to control, it might be to shame, it's to anything that helps get the situation back to normal. And what I want parents to think about is that that, that is not what our kids need. Our kids are not looking for behavior management. What our kids need more than anything, just like us, is a transformed heart. We call that discipleship. And the difference between discipleship and discipline is huge. You know, so I'm, I'm trying to encourage parents to rethink their moments of discipline as moments of discipleship. Now, that's a tall order, you know, when you're at the grocery store and somebody's throwing a temper tantrum in the aisle. And that's why 
I encourage parents to think about habits in that. So I give a range of um, about eight habits, anywhere from establishing authority to using pauses and body language to try to get into your child's heart and head, and then just practicing consequences, confession, and ultimately reconciliation. Because discipleship in the story of God is about us becoming with God again, re reconciled to him. So I try to think about how we're practicing that biblical arc of reconciliation and all these small moments of discipline. Um, I was listening yesterday to a conversation about um, police reform. And um, they were talking about the need to send a person of peace into the situation who was a non-anxious presence to sort of bring the temperature mm -hmm. down and help the person who was, you know, not a criminal, but a person in some level of emotional or social distress, right? And mm. the, the situation is quickly moving in the direction of um, they're going to just tase them and slap cuffs on them and throw them in the ambulance because the person needs to go to the hospital to get someone like, right? And so this person, right. this person of peace is the person who's brought in and sits down cross-legged next to the person who's, you know, in a huddled mess on the sidewalk and mm -hmm. does exactly what you're talking about. And because I'd been reading the book, I'm thinking to myself, we have a whole culture, an entire culture populated by broken, hurting individuals who were mm. who have been disciplined in the home and are now being disciplined in the culture instead of yes. recognizing this is a this is a precious person for whom I need to pray. I need to hit the pause button. We need to talk about the emotional situation that they're in. Like all of this is good for us That's as so a good. culture, not just inside our homes with our kids. Absolutely. I, I think one of the big revelations of working on this chapter of discipline to me was remembering how much more we are similar to our kids than mm -hmm. that we are dissimilar. I mean, we are all just sort of these hurting messes inside who lash out when they're angry, who get mad when other people take their stuff, who don't like to wait, who want what they want now. And I think a lot of the habits of pausing, um, sitting down and understanding with the child, listening, but then being honest with consequences, honest with authority, and moving them intentionally to confession and reconciliation. These are all the habits in the discipline chapter. Um, they really, they move us from seeing our kid as a problem that needs to be solved to a human being that needs to be loved just like us. And what I hope is that these habits can help parents act a little bit more like the way Jesus acts to us. And that is that he is the firm authority who will save us from ourselves, yes, but he is also a loving, non-anxious presence who comes and comes down to us, right? He comes down to earth and dies for us, just like we can get down on one knee and be there with a kid. or like, and I love what you're talking about, then, uh, you know, getting on the sidewalk with somebody who's in trouble and helping them stay out of more trouble. It's a, it's a beautiful thing that we get to do when we, when we get to discipline as discipleship. Yeah, and I know that you're just now, um, you know, having the opportunity to talk about this book, but I'm, of course, um, I'm, of course, hoping there's a next one because we have this entire culture of people, adults. I mean, they're physically adults. They're, you know, of major age, and yet, they have a completely undisciplined, literally undisciplined life. Mm, and mm. that's the, that's the crisis we're in as a, as a family culture. Like yes. if the whole culture is a family, 
um, then the crisis of discipline that we find ourselves in is one we got to figure out how to circle back around um, and, you know, and say, okay, this is not normal and this is not okay. So how do we change the habits that are producing these these outcomes and results? And how do we help adults who were never disciplined and never taught self-discipline um, yes. or the importance of it? Like, how do we help people become self-governing as individuals in order that right. we can be a self-governed people? I know that's not the subject matter of this book, but of course, <clears throat> I'm egging you on to write the next one. So the book we're talking <laughs> well, about today. Mind, though, when, we were, when I was writing <laughs> oh, no, well, this, we were in the middle of the pandemic and, and the, the racial riots. And mm -hmm. I, I started the book with a quote that's often attributed to Frederick Douglass. It is easier to raise strong children than repair broken men and women. Because mm -hmm. one of the things that I thought as I looked out into the chaos of the world was, I, there is so much I want to do. But this little house right here is what I'm given to steward right now. There is so much that I want to do in the world. But to raise whole sons, you know, sons that will grow up to be actual men, not just boys in men's bodies. I thought this might be one of the most redemptive things I can give the world right now, because everything you just said, Carmen, is true. It is hurting. We, we struggle. We have so many problems. And I, I, I just want to encourage parents that one of the best things that you can do for a hurting world is to raise strong sons and daughters who love Jesus and send them out into that world. There's so much that I want to do. But this this house, this place is where I can raise whole sons, not just little boys in men's bodies. That is the calling of being a father. That's the calling of parenting. Justin, you could not have said it better and you could not transform the world in any more significant a way than to be shepherding the hearts and lives of Wit, Asher, Coulter and Shep. Um, we celebrate that you do that in partnership with your precious wife, and we thank you for sharing not only the vision, but the practice, the practice of transforming habits in your own household into habits that are going to produce men um, who, are, who are good and godly. Um, so thank you. The book is Habits of the Household, Practicing the Story of God in Everyday Family Rhythms. Justin, um, thank you so very much. What a gift. Thank you. We'll be right back. So in our conversation um, with Justin early, we talked a lot about um, liturgy. Like, what is the rhythm of my life in terms of, you know, how it is this conversation with God, this, uh, this ongoing open discourse where God is not only present, and, um, but he's active. Like, am I allowing God to be active? in my spirit, in my words, in my conversations with my kids and my husband, with my friends, on and on and on. And are those positive rhythms, positive liturgies, or have I gotten into some bad ruts, some bad habits? Um, so let me just encourage each of us to consider that today, the rhythms or the ruts we're in and what we might do um, to cooperate with the Holy Spirit in changing those. Hey, if it's not already a habit for you, maybe consider a year-end gift to Faith Radio. Like if you are in the rhythm of listening, maybe you could also be in the rhythm of giving. It all starts with one step. And you can take that step at myfaithradio.com or by texting the word GIVE to 877-933-2484. We'll see you tomorrow. Have a great day. God bless.
Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.